You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, good morning, sir. That's me. Yay. Good Yay. morning. <clears throat> How are you? I'm good. Hopefully we have no audio issues because, you know, is tradition. It and would so, be. You sound a little gravelly, though. Have you, are you had a cold lately? Or? <clears throat> um, I have not, but I was okay. up late uh, doing theater. Yeah, so... I was going to say that, or were you in a play, so you had a lot of lines? In I was there. in a play, <laughs> yeah. So we had, uh, <clears throat> we did a remount of a show we did like five years ago uh, called The Unexmas Story. And it's the same cast, but it's kind of like an alternative late night Christmas show. Um, mm-hmm. And we started 11 o'clock at night. And so Oof. I was out till like one in the morning, and I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> so yeah, Grenard, is D&D not a play? Well, you do yeah. play a game, yeah. but no, this is the theater. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm when you project tired. your voice, so mm. you, you use your voice a little stronger than you yeah. would typically anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's cold that. and super dry, and it I just is. woke up. So come on, cut me some slack, Lucian. <laughs> no, Every I want day that radio. Like I want that you. silky smooth radio voice you have. You know? Hello, welcome <laughs> to WBAIN. See? Perfect. That's... <laughs> Wibagian. Dungeons and Dragons. That's what this show's about, right? Yeah, let's talk about D&D. I mean, the, a lot of we had a we had a list of stuff to talk about and then um Jordan unfortunately, not unfortunately, but uh Nerd Immersion made a video late last night, and if you haven't watched it, you probably should. Ted. And then before that, Quest and Beast made a video and uh there was a bunch of Hasbro stuff that came out. So we're gonna kinda kinda go through all of this and then probably get to the regular stuff we were gonna talk about. Um But uh I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in reverse order. So to kind of build up why Nerd Immersion made this video. So Hasbro in a stockholder presentation which i think is important to say very important to say is uh (laughs) it is public so it's not like this was leaked or anything but Mm -hmm. it it is for shareholders and the goal of this presentation is to say how are we gonna make more money than we made last year and that's all shareholders care they're talking about the new direction of dungeons and dragons because of one D &D in the 50th anniversary and they said that they believe D or the the new front runner of Dungeons and Dragons believes that D and D is under monetized, and specifically said rather than trying to improve the game or game mechanics, um, they believe like that's going well. People enjoy the game, so them as financial directors at top are trying to say we want to create more on ramps for existing players to spend money 20 percent of uh or the majority of all of the sales go to dungeon masters and so they're looking at that as saying wow we have this one person spending a lot of money on D, but these five other players are not how do we get them to spend money on yeah. D? And the idea bags. is that, <clears throat> sorry, the idea the, the idea is that we're going to have, they didn't say this, but everyone's speculating, 
but like <laughs> subscriptions to one D and D or to D and D Beyond subscri- subscription fees, and then uh, the idea of like loot boxes potentially, and the I mean all of these things that we've seen in video games that have become very popular because it is a way to get players to spend a lot of money on cosmetic Dirty things, micro transactions, <laughs> and so that's where the community is thinking that it's going. They didn't outright say that; they just said that they believe it is under monetized. And in that same presentation, they said that they want D&D to be a life brand. And I had to, I kind of knew what that was, but the best example I've seen is Harley Davidson. I'm not a Harley Davidson person, but when you meet one of those Harley Davidson people, they've got the patches, they've got Harley merchandise in their house. They've got, it's not just about the motorcycle. Like, yeah, their truck is painted in the Harley Davidson colors. Thank you. Like, owning a motorcycle of Harley Davidson and being a Harley person really is your lifestyle. And so, when you walk around and somebody else sees that you have a Harley sticker or this, they're like, oh, we're brothers because (laughs) we're both like Harley. Uh, They want D&D to be like that. So, not only are you playing D&D, but, like, your personality is Dungeons & Dragons. Um, which is kind of who I am, but at the same time, I don't you like You are wearing the... a dice. Yeah, I've got my shirt. Gen Con hoodie on, so. <laughs> but, like, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be, wow, that guy paid Wizards of the Coast a lot of money, you know? Uh, but I don't do know. you do want to be the D&D guy. But I, I like being the D&D guy, I don't, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's probably not bad, because they're hoping this movie will kick off a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise of Dungeons & Dragons movies. Uh, which, hey, if it's popular, it might. Who knows? And, and if it's in the right hands, who knows? You know, um, mm-hmm. It's all about does it sell, is it popular kind of a thing. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry, you want to respond. I'd like to – yeah, there's a part in there that's an interesting part of that conversation. If you take all of the other stuff out of it, this idea that we sell a product that involves on average, we'll say, and they probably know what the average is. We'll just say it's six people. And one person in that group of six is basically going to be the majority of our monetary contact with that group. But there'll be five others that we, that only really touch a little bit with us, but maybe not even that much or at all. So as a company, just sitting back and saying, okay, Jordan, we've got this great company and it could be, we sell blenders or something, I don't know, whatever it is, and we have that issue sitting in front of us, how do you even tackle, how would you even tackle that? Is Or do you even see it as a problem or, do you, or does somebody just raise their hand and just say, well, but we're making 20% profit than we made last year, so it doesn't really matter if anybody else is buying, you know, we're already, you know, doing really well because that one person's buying everything. Or do we try to adjust it so there is more money coming from, the other members of this thing that are enjoying this thing we've created or create. Yeah. I, I don't have the answer cause I'm not, I'm not a financial person, but I know that like a if lot we had of a theme park and we sold tickets to families, but we only charged dad. Everybody else got in for free. At some point with the theme park go, God, we really should be charging the mom and the kids or the double dads or the double moms or, you know, whatever it is. I think so. Because they're riding the rides too. Yeah, I I think so. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think that's the idea of like kids under three are free because they're not like 
they have to be attached to their mom right, or dad right, because yeah. they're three <laughs> and yeah. they're probably not riding rides. Um, yeah. But I was thinking about like some of the business practices of uh, especially mobile games. They talk about whales and it's, oh, God, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's like the idea of, you know, we, we made this mobile game and it's infuriating to play. Uh, but if you spend a lot of money, you get a rise to the top really, really fast. And they mm -hmm. rely on those like five or six people that will literally spend like thousands of dollars on gems and un and whatever, just so when they play the game, they're at a higher level than everybody else. And they call those the whales. And that's a business model where it's like, we don't need the rest of these people to play. We just need those people that are really generating our money to be happy and then keep it open enough that there's enough like free loser players for people to, uh, to be in a game, you know? So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer, but I, I do know, like, I, I keep thinking that they're looking at those wizards of the coast back yeah. to them, that they're looking at these million dollar Kickstarters and it's like, where's our money? Like, why, why don't we get a part of that? You know, um, not understanding that the fact that those are making a million dollars is probably what's making D and D a billion dollars in yeah. all honesty. Like, Oh my gosh. It's so popular that this thing has made it even more popular. Like, I think, I think going into like Colville's work, like I think that was the first million dollar uh, D and D Kickstarter, or for Five E, and it kind of set a precedent where other companies were making more. Yeah, and and, and the I, second thing you yeah. had said kind of brought another thought up to to jump into the the. So. At some point in this company, and we're thinking of the corporate side because when we say stockholder meeting, that's we're thinking of you know Hasbro. It's a Hasbro. Is that group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a group of people that are meant to make stockholders happy. That's their job. And so when they sit down in a, in, if me and you were part of that job, and we sat down at the table with the other five or six people that have that job, and we said, okay, man, D and D five E, everybody really loves it. Why are we making any more or thinking about changing it and then kind of blowing that up? Why don't we just stop doing that? And why don't we just find ways to make money off of what we already have? And then we don't even need designers like Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford because we don't need more stuff. They love the stuff we already have. We just need to find a way to monetize the stuff we already have out there. You know, like how, so it's almost like there's a weird logic that could come up from somebody who's only looking at it from a money angle, from a pure money angle to say, why are we spending all this time putting new products out or putting a book out that kind of sells, but really isn't that great? Like the, the Dragonlance book, you know, what are the numbers of that compared to Atasha's or what are the numbers of that compared to it? They, I could see a logic in their heads. Not that I agree with it. That would be, why are we putting that kind of book out? That's barely selling compared to our others why don't we just monetize this and sell more t-shirts or why don't we do this and they we can sell things online that gives them another class or another thing but we charge them six dollars for every one of those things we do like why don't we buy dnd beyond so that we can build background images and sell different avatar skins for your dnd beyond site at seven dollars each and then they'll love that because it's all nostalgia and they can buy all their they can buy their boo and they can buy their minx you know version of that and then we can sell them this so i can see like there's a group of people who when they only look at these types of products 
for the money can get way into the weeds of not understanding what we believe the game is and what the community really, I think, on the general wants it to be. We want it to be a storytelling game engine that's innovative and allows us to tell stories with each other and get together in a, in a social contract of friends and family and you know whoever else you have coming to your games and play this cool game and have cool fun things a cool experience that's what we want out of it you know and but if you try to over monetize that you get disneyland right you get you get a theme park that's charging you fifty dollars for popcorn and you know when it's you can buy two dollars of popcorn at the store but hey it's disney popcorn so that's much bigger and well and disney is another prime <laughs> example of a lifestyle brand you know yeah we we talk and me and my wife talk about it because she grew up in southern california and she just openly admits she's like i drank the disney kool-aid i love all yeah, things disney and i don't understand it i'm like mm -hmm. like the rides are fine like they do a good job the movies like i don't know but yeah there's a, it's she it's just she loves it like it's that's what she wants i've to got do. friends that go every single year they've gone since they were a young couple and were married they've gone now that they have kids they've mm -hmm. gone for a decade and a half they go every single year to disney World, and they love it it's not like it's a chore for them or they enjoy it they look forward to it every year and they go back every single year they're they're in it so i could see dd there's a group of in there that could do that. So when Hasbro comes together and they start talking to those shareholders and it's only people who are looking at monetization, it's such a negative way to look at their product. And so I could see how the community probably did not react so well to stuff like that. But I guess if you're a shareholder, that's probably all good news, right? But if you're not a shareholder... Well, yeah. And I mean... <laughs> it's, Maybe we should it's, be shareholders. It's Maybe to say, hey, Hasbro. don't sell your stock you know, we're making, we're going to make you more money. Uh, yeah. And whether, whether this is, I don't know. Anyway, but this kind of goes into uh, the next part, which next is part. Questing Beast made a video that said, D&D uh, &D doesn't need Wizards of the Coast. And it was a really kind of fun video to think about where, um, does, uh, see, D I don't think of D&D &D as like Wizards of the Coast, whereas like, Disney is Disney. Like, I can't say, does Disney need, or I don't know. My cat's me. I want to up a storm. I don't understand what's going on. But uh, I'm trying to think of the equivalent. Like, like, does your, ah, ah, it's gone now. I don't know. I can't think of one. But, like, does Marvel need Disney? Like, I don't know. Like, does my love of comic books need Disney? Does me drawing a comic book need Disney? It's like. Probably not. And it's kind of the same way. Like me playing D&D &D at my table with my friends, no miniatures, none of this stuff. I don't, don't need, need I don't need Wizards of the Coast, you know. But yeah. if I play Magic the Gathering, I need Wizards of the Coast. Because they make the cards. Because, well, they, they make the cards. And it's not just making the cards, but they update the game. They keep it regulated, you know, things like that. But mm -hmm. for D&D, &D, there's such an emphasis on the rule of cool and i don't know sure i'll let you do it like yeah. well let's just roll the, the dice can and make see what happens it literally can be anything you want you know and so mm -hmm. uh it's kind of weird where i'm like I, I i agree i was like i don't think dnd &D does need wizards of the coast and if one dnd &D fails which we've already seen with fourth edition it's going to splinter off into all these other different things and people are going to play 
OGL games or Pathfinder or uh, what other whatever game they yeah, want to play. They kind of are now, you know, and they are, yeah. But that's because yeah. of Fourth Edition. Like it's all, you know, DCC came mm -hmm. about because of the OGL and things like that. Well, uh, well, and some of it is people want a game that's different than Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but I, I guess maybe I'm trying to say D and D is for a lot of people. D and D means role playing game. And yeah. role-playing games won't die if Wizards of the Coast takes away D&D in some way. Or changes it so fundamentally that it doesn't feel like a role-playing game. It feels like an yeah. online transaction machine. Yeah. So Now, I think... I do think Dungeons & Dragons itself needs a big company behind it to keep it as the forefront of all things tabletop role-playing game the Kleenex of the world. You don't get that if you have a four-person team and that's all you've devoted to it. It doesn't stay at the top like that if that's all you've done. Well, it was a two-person team back in 1970s, you know? If you companies that are making similar things, you know, if you stay at the top, you have to be the one that's spending the money in the advertisements, the magazines, the movies, the TV shows the clothing paraphernalia putting out regular products on a on a basis that's company sized right you, you're putting books out they're putting like five or six books out a year nobody just pulls that off monty cook doesn't pull off typically five or six books they do kickstarters for theirs and they get a couple of books out and they're actually probably closer to be able to do it but they're still not even a four-person job anymore either i think they're up to like 20 employees over at that company so it's much bigger now um, Paizo is a big company, has lots of people at it too, not as big as D and D. I don't think you stay at the top and be the like the the top one if you don't have a big company backing you of some sort. You can change the name Wizards of the Coast to something else. You can sell it to Microsoft or you can sell it to somebody else that's into games like uh, who who might Blizzard could buy it or Activision could buy it or something like that. But I don't think you stay at the top. But I do understand when Questing Beast says. We can play D and D if they shut everything down and close the doors and turn the lights off. Dungeons and Dragons games don't stop; they continue from now on forever. Because there's old school D and D, we have the books already. They can't take them away. The I think what it comes built. down to is the players are generating the content for D and D. Not yeah. like players are not generating the content for Magic the Gathering, but players Got are it. generating. You nailed it. Yeah, that was players a, are generating the content for that. So, yeah, and that's why I think it's a different proposition. But I liked what you said in Twitter too. It was like, but they're giving us new products, and that's how what keeps me interested. And by them creating new projects or new products, if they're putting out new Forgotten Realms books and they start diving into more places in the Forgotten Realms, you're you're in heaven. You're the Forgotten Realms lore guy, right? You're like. Yeah, give me more about this spot and give me more about that spot and tell me all the histories of 10,000 years of what's going on in Forgotten Realms because I want that. They're giving us something we want or people wouldn't really buy it. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're talking about the same thing anymore. We kind of went in a full circle, but yeah. But, like, you're right. But I'm just if saying they if, sell cool products, I'm going to buy them. Yeah, and that's why we do need Wizards of the Coast because they are I selling I don't think we cool do stuff. because somebody else, like the Midgard World book is so good. And yeah, like they own Forgotten Realms, but they, I'm, Felix, go away. <laughs> You're so loud. Kitty. I don't know what's wrong. Um, hungry. 
but uh yeah i don't know anyway i got I think my cat distracted is, me <laughs> we can't just look at them as the company that owns dungeons and dragons because they're also the creators that are giving us new stuff for dungeons and dragons which keeps it relevant keeps it great i think they're not just giving us crap either they're giving us good quality stuff that i'm buying and putting on my shelves and reading through and loving so i do think we need them just because i get more cool stuff just like i think we need matt colville putting stuff out i think we need well, paizo you, putting stuff out because it's cool good stuff then you don't need wizards of the coast because paizo is putting out cool stuff no, matt is putting out cool stuff i need like, them all i i am a firm believer that we need to treat wizards of the coast <laughs> the same as third-party publishers because gotcha. they come out with frankly Spelljammer, and i'm not impressed and i'm really sad but uh Monty Cook Games comes out with Plane Breaker, and it's amazing. And yeah. I feel like I could use that book all day long. But you did treat him the same because you bought both books. That's what I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> we're we're talking in circles because I want to treat them the same. That's what I want to do. I think I and do. So treat I think them that emphasizes the fact that like I don't need I Wizards see. of the Coast any more than I need Paizo. Like right. I don't need. But Paizo explain to make how stuff you're treating D and D. How are you treating Wizards different? What are you doing right now that you think in your mind is you're treating them differently? Not playing Dungeons and Dragons? Like, I'm actively not playing right now. I'm playing DCC. But in, that okay, would mean... I am playing Dungeons and Dragons. So, in my Great Modron March book thing, I'm playing older adventures. I'm not utilizing anything but the mechanics of 5e. I'm playing yeah. an older adventure. I'm converting it myself. And I'm using third-party stuff for uh, NPCs and certain other uh, quirks and some planar travel mechanics. I'm not running anything Wizards of the Coast right now other than we're using the Player's Handbook and Tasha's. Correct. So you're not treating them differently. Your argument is we shouldn't treat them differently. And we're not. Yeah. We treat them just like all the other companies. We yeah, you were saying we like sorry, we you don't. were saying that we need Wizards of the Coast. Like we because they make quality products the and they make this. Wizards of the Coast, yeah. Matt Coville, we need all these people because we don't want them all to go away because then we would only be able to create our own stuff. We want people creating cool stuff for us. Yeah. In that context, I think we need them. Not that we need them and nobody else. Okay, or we, that's I took yeah, it in, yeah. incorrectly. Then I apologize. Gotcha. I gotcha. Because <laughs> I was like, "Well, we don't." But anyway, I, uh, I need Chris Perkins creating stuff for me. I I need it. Maybe I do like does. Chris Perkins stuff. <laughs> I um, need Keith Baker creating stuff for us. I need you know Monty Cook creating stuff for us. So this culminates in a video yeah. last night that Nerd Immersion put out. Um, and if you go uh, hashtag open D&D, it's not trending. I was going to say trending on Twitter. It's not trending officially trending. But uh, if you search for hashtag open D&D, a lot of people are talking about it. Um, and the, the gist of it is a lot of people, third-party publishers, were kind of scared because they didn't know what the OGL for one D&D was going to look like. They're kind of like, what do we do? And... Um, Behind the scenes, people are trying uh, – third-party publishers were in the in the brink of, like, guys, we need to dedicate a team to creating our own game. Because if 1D&D is going to be, like, 4th edition where the license is not friendly enough to use, um, we need 
to create uh, our own game and then support that. Uh, a la this is what Paizo did, because 4th edition was not friendly. Paizo made everything for uh, Wizards of the Coast. They ran magazines for them. They did all this stuff. Like, they really were partners. Uh, and I'm dropping frames. Uh, I should be back. <gasps> no. um, they really were partners. And then with 4th edition, it was like, well, if you want to make stuff for us again, here's this really crappy license where we control everything and at the drop of a hat, we can revoke all of the stuff you've published and you're no longer allowed to make money off of it. And it's like, what? So they made Pathfinder and they're like, we're going to support this. So a lot of these publishers are already talking about that where they're like, oh, and can you imagine if Critical Role came out with uh, Critical Role 5e or like, if they came out with their own version of Dungeons and Dragons, I, I'm a firm believer that I think the Critical Role fan base is almost, like, it's large. And I think that they could be like, oh, yeah, I'll play the Matt Mercer version of 5e. Why not, you know? So yeah. so there's that. Uh, it's big enough to sustain itself, for yeah. sure. Um, which, I mean, was, like, they made, what, seven or eight million last year, and uh, D&D brought in a billion dollars. So it's not like they're in the same ballpark, but like fans and people who play games i think are are fans uh so with this all of these third-party publishers kind of freaking out and stuff um and apparently fandom when they own D beyond were in a lot of talks about adding third-party content from kobold press and from paizo and from MCDM, uh, I'm making those up, those names, because I don't know who they were exactly talking to. But they were talking to third-party publishers, and those are the big ones. And if you oh. remember that, um, they had those weird classes from Legends of Runeterra that appeared on D&D Beyond, and then were taken down like a week later. Uh, that was sure. like a tie-in for that. So mm -hmm. they were told by wizards of the coast like you need to remove those uh probably for like whatever reasons well then um it was all because hasbro had the intention of buying that but they didn't want to buy it with like all of these weird third-party things in there and so uh it kind of that was one of the reasons wizards of the coast had a really big like leash on fandom when it came to D, &D beyond and it's kind of interesting to see it in retrospect now the decisions mm -hmm. that were halted because of wizards of the coast uh now they buy that and so everyone's like oh my gosh they have their own digital platform they're not going to need us anymore everything's going to be centralized through that we're going to have to do all this other stuff um this was a big long boring way of explaining to you that uh ted's information in this video is apparently wizards of the coast is sending out emails to third-party publishers and content creators uh i haven't received any of these fyi i'm not on wizards of the coast radar which is okay <laughs> and it's to say we want to talk about uh the ogl and what it means for you going forward so it could be like i want to partner you with you about the ogl for one D, D, or i want to they just said they want to talk but in order to talk they're requiring you to sign a non-disclosure agreement um, which would then bar you from talking about it with other people. And so I would look at that and be like, no, thank you. Because if it's not information I can publicly talk about with other people, then I don't want that information, you know? 
unless I, unless mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm receiving a paycheck from you and I'm actively working on the thing that is an NDA. That's completely different. So a lot of uh, t- Ted's slant of this on the nerd immersion video was uh, they're trying to silence people with uh, legal action in a way. Like if I can get these people, if I can get the Ted's of the world who are releasing all of our stuff or not releasing, but like breaking news all the time about Wizards of the Coast, if I can stop them talking about the OGL, then um, we might be in a better place for when the OGL actually comes out or the more restricted version for, for 1D&D and things like that. Uh, and he uh, just kind of said, no, thank you, and made this video instead. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, It's kind of stuff like this where you're like, I, I love Chris Perkins and things like that. I don't look at the man as the company. But, you know, he's not the the head of Hasbro, and Hasbro's going to make decisions that make shareholders happy. And alienating all of these uh, other content creators or third-party publishers is, I don't know, they want them all to, to be under the rule of thumb, you know, one corporation to rule them all. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't know. I feel like that's a very cynical way to look at we're going to give you the opportunity to look at new innovative stuff we're working on. But to do that, we can't just have you just going out and telling everybody about stuff that may or may not actually, if it's during testing, it may or may not even get done. It may not even get Mm -hmm. used, but if all of a sudden you create a, you know, two hour video on how bad the game is because we tried out an initiative rule that is the most terrible initiative rule in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you're poisoning everybody's thought on this when really it was just us testing a rule out or trying well, something out to see what it looked like. And, and I agree. An NDA I, is about we're going to give you access to information that's not made public yet. Yes. So um, that we can get your feedback. This isn't playtesting from what it was looking at, though. Um, oh. It was they needed to sign an NDA to have a meeting to discuss how content creators are going to handle talking about the OGL going forward and stuff is kind of what I've heard. Uh, but again, watch uh, his video. Like yeah. I, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Uh, you Maybe I'm interpreting it incorrectly, uh, but it was kind of interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. So, uh, But I also think this is kind of the plus side of this, I think, is Wizards of the Coast is looking at the larger community and saying, maybe we do need them. Like, maybe this game is bigger than just Dritz in the Forgotten Realms. Maybe we should talk to other people, you know? And, and, and I you look at, like, Acquisitions Incorporated and Vox Machina. Like, those are original characters that came out of D&D, but they're, mm-hmm. they're bigger than the realms in a way. They're bigger than, you know, so. For sure. And I wonder if that's how it worked with D&D Next and if it worked that way with the original OGO, if there was a period of time before it's announced or it's released that they bring people in and have them sign an NDA yeah. then. Is this yeah, something and, that's, you know, that was before YouTube. So, you know, who really knows? Yeah. Like, well, D and D next was it before YouTube, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like YouTube's 2000. And we are in a so. different time, right? Because right. And when D and D next hits critical roles playing Pathfinder at home at that point. Yeah. They're, they're not even thinking about, putting a show on to Twitch. And when they do start to think about that, D&D 5 is just about to drop when 
Critical Role decides to do its show with Felicia Day and, and um, Geek and their Sundry. channel. Geek and yeah. Sundry's channel. And they make that pivot. I think it was even earlier, the way I heard the story, was that they were going to change it to D&D 5e because it had just released and they were going to then... Yeah. They were going to get some the new time hot with thing. That. Even though they it. had been playing Pathfinder that whole, you know, in their yeah. home campaign, which I think was interesting. So, yeah, I wonder how we're in such a different time now. Then now it's also publicized, and now there's so many content creators that are, you know, trying to be first to, to talk about stuff. Or there's a new content creator new... for D and D like every week. I feel not that yeah. I'm saying this is bad. If you want to make videos, <laughs> please make videos. I'm just surprised because, like, back in the day, there were, like, five of us. And it was like, hey, everybody, we're making videos. And we all kind of, like, like me and AJ made lore videos. And Ted, or, you know, Ted made whatever videos he was making. And Cody made videos on mechanics and stuff. And Questing Beast was over there in the OSR. And now I, like, start searching. And I'm like, who is this guy with their hot take? Like, that's great lighting. What is going on? They're making map. You know, videos, how to, how to draw yeah. maps. How to, yeah, Matt Colville and stuff. Like, it was just, there were yeah. there were few of us, I feel. And now there's, like, so many, but it's fun. Yeah. Um. So we'll put that aside because we don't need to talk about it anymore. But yeah. I think it's true that there should be fear that something's going to change about the OpenGL. Because the way the OpenGL is right now, it has allowed a bonanza of third-party people to create content and build businesses and build life livelihoods based off of using that to put something out that they really want that allowed, you know, cobalt press to do stuff that allowed all the, it allowed Bounty cook to put out Tolis in a five E version It allowed, you know, all these people to make products and sell them based off of D and D five. So a fear that something could change and all of a sudden not let people do that is real and people should fight, you know, to be like, Hey, we really like the way it's working. We think, what I think we should fight with is to show how it benefits them and it can still benefit us without making it one-sided in one way. Right? Correct. And I, I instead think of that... trying to fight them in a different way of like, let's, let's shut them down or let's cancel them or let's, we'll show them we'll never buy their products again and we'll make them go away. Don't, you know, fight with by trying to show them the benefits of keeping it the way it is and yeah. how it benefits both parties. Yeah. And I think that is the, that is the goal from a lot of the third party publishers from what I've heard. There, yeah, uh, I was watching Mastering Dungeon, which is another uh, podcast on YouTube that I was listening to, and they're both uh, they're both freelance writers that have worked for Wizards of the Coast, and they said like I think what we want to do is just prove that um, because of the of the MCDMs and the the Paizos and the Cobalt Presses of the world, your game is actually more popular. And so, yeah, like, you're benefiting. From don't you know? But then also because of this, people look at our stuff and they're like, "Well, that's not canon, so I don't have to try and include it in my game." But I could if I wanted to. Like, like it really is the best of both worlds because they can make a weird, broken class, and if it's not popular, or if it is popular, it's still like, well, you know, that's not official for, I don't know, wh- whatever tournament you're gonna run or something like that. So. I think that's the best of both worlds is that the executives see that. But I think also executives are going to say, hey, Cobalt Press, if you want to make something for one D&D, pay us a $10,000 licensing fee and then we will do it. Because then they'll be like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's our intellectual property. So, but. um, Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Real quick though, uh, Tyranny of Dragons is getting re-released again, which I don't understand. I don't. I, this is not the coolest, best adventure ever. I feel it's not a bad adventure, but it's just kind of like what? It's got a cool name. Um, it does have a cool name. <laughs> Tiamat's the villain. Uh, and it's there iconic. was a poster for Stranger Things season five that has a three-headed dragon-looking thing in the distance. And so it got me thinking, you know, we've had Vecna and the Mind Flare and Demogorgon. I was like, is got Tiamat going to be the next villain Tiamat. for season five? Yes. And I, you know, Tiamat in the Stranger Things sense. It won't actually be Tiamat, but it'll be something yeah. that they're like, oh, I'm going to refer to this as Tiamat. Uh, and I think that's probably why they're re-releasing Tyranny of Dragons. Because I want to say, like, they put a shiny new cover on it. Tiamat's on the cover. And they're like, okay. And then people are going to change things. It's an introductory adventure to D&D, you know? Like, I think... So they're going to mm -hmm. revise it a little bit and fix it up and then re-release it. Uh, but, boy, the cover is real cool looking. Um, yeah. It's freaking Tiamat's heads, and she's holding a big old orb of magic, and there's fire and brimstone, and... Yeah, and it says, defy the queen of evil dragons. So, uh, yeah, I think this is this is a Stranger Things tie-in. That is my interpretation. So, And I wonder, too, those first couple of adventures that come out for 5th edition, not written by Wizards of the Coast at that point, but written by other companies, yeah. seem to be the ones they're trying to redo. Um, so I wonder if there's just some internal look at these that thought that quality of those two products, because it was Tyranny of Dragons they put out and then the other one, right? Um, Princes of the Apocalypse were not written by Wizards of the Coast originally. Yeah, I, uh, the, I, I think it was just because they were busy making those the two. DM skill or the Dungeon Master's uh, uh, Dungeon Master's the 5e guide. Books, the I was like, 5e books, book? Yeah. I was like, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Uh, the Dungeon Master's the Guide and then the Monster Manual. So because yeah. of that, they were like, we don't have time to build this. So they hired Kobold Press to make um, Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, which then got bundled together into Tyranny of Dragons. So Yeah. So I wonder if that's why. And, if and I think some, they did like, write Princes of the internal. Apocalypse. I can't remember, though, but you're probably I feeling right. like that was the other one. Because then eventually... Storm King Thunder comes out, and that's when I think Wizards of the Coast is back to making their own adventures. They're not making the core books anymore. That's set and done. Mm -hmm. Now they're on to adventure books, new rule books, anthology books, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. I mean, I like the idea of Tyranny of Dragons, though. I mean, I love the idea of a, it's the Dungeons and Dragons game. So to have, you know, a, a big quintessential dragon book makes sense to me but then they have dragon that just came out so yeah. i don't know if that would be your quintessential dragon book or not so lucian when did you start playing baldur's gate 3 god when they allowed us in on steam which must have been in a year or two years ago i think it was two years ago maybe a year and a half two years yeah uh, we're finally getting a release date for Baldur's Gate 3, which just feels funny because I forget it's not a release It's been game. in early access. Yes. Early access. It's been a playable time. game for a while. Yeah, yeah, but it's been in early um, access. And it's been like two years. It's just ridiculous. Well, mm -hmm. it's finally coming out August of 2023. So uh, there's a $270 collector's edition. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. $270. That's 
what do you think comes with this? Uh, obviously the game, but... <laughs> I'm guessing some video games put out giant boxes, almost like That's lockers yeah. of, of stuff. So it might ha- it could have like a life size sword in it for all we know. Yeah. Like it could be something pretty crazy. Well, so my th- hope is it's something like that. Like they give you a suit of armor and then the game, <laughs> cool. and then like you know here here's what you paid for two, and then some par- paraphernalia. I hope it's not really bad. But well, uh, no, it's not bad. I think uh, there's a cloth map, which I'm a big fan of cloth maps, and apparently it's oh, like of a cool. huge section of Faerun. Um, there's uh, the game on Steam. There's a game certificate, which I'm like, I guess it's a collector's thing. I don't know. An art book, a 160-page art book, which is kind of cool. Stickers, which I'm like, okay, you get stickers. Mm -hmm. Uh, A collector's box. Um, Character sheets for all of the NPCs in the game, or the characters in the game, which I thought was cool. Like 5e character sheets for them. That's kind of cool. And a keychain that is the, uh, the... illithid tadpole that goes into your eye but it's a keychain and it looks so creepy an oversized (laughs) d20 some magic the gathering boosters for uh one of the Baldur's gate booster packs um and the big thing is a uh 25 centimeter mind flare versus drow statue thing uh I, i don't i don't think i will be picking up the collector's edition but um it it looks kind of cool but it's just like now Holy cow. Really, the only thing I want is that map and the keychain. <laughs> yeah. Let me switch that around. What if the statue was a Gundam oh. fighting something else? Fighting and then you had a map Zaku of the universe. You had, yeah. yeah, you had the, the role-playing you know, I... game Gundam. Then you had the game Gundam. Yeah. Statue figurine collectors are a, a different set of people. Different breed. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not one of them. I, I do yeah. have miniatures and stuff, but I've never been like, I don't know. I've never been that kind of like, oh my gosh, I just, I need this posable thing or this action figure collection or something. So I think that's why it doesn't oh, should, really speak to me. But I'm going to go to the game store cool. today. And so. at my comic book store, somebody has put two big dioramas of quintessential it's a one of them is the different x-men climbing over a, a, like a, a giant sized um what's the big robots they fight in x the sentinels sentinels so there's this big sentinel and it's got wolverines hanging off them and trying to claw them it's got all these different x-men on it and it must be like it's huge right yeah. and i think the price on it was like i don't know maybe it's a five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or something but it's all painted and it's all sculpted and it's all whatever I'm going to take some pictures instead of saying, okay, Jordan, if this was a franchise you really love, some, you know, one of the franchises you'd like the most, and it was this size and these characters, would you pay money for this one? <laughs> I'll send you a couple. Cause Not $5,000. One was an like, X-Men one and one was, yeah, one was something else. I'll but yeah, I don't know. Pictures. I I don't know. I would I would have to really rearrange my house to find room for stuff like that. To have too, a big so. diorama. Yeah. There are people who like to, I mean, Funko Pop collectors yeah. or the people that that get good get the comic book ones. I just saw one where they're building really intricate action figure models of comic book characters, Batmans and Supermans and yeah. Wolverines and all this stuff. And some of them can be like bust life size, like their heads life size or their, you know, or maybe it's this big and it's like the Batmobile and something else and so it's definitely a yeah, big it's, part it's of Yeah, it's a whole culture, I think. That, yeah. And it kind of is those toy collectors. Like, I, I follow Toy Galaxy on um, YouTube, oh, yeah, and they're a great channel. 
but like they get so hyped about like Look movie the posability of this like teenage mutant ninja turtle and i'm like i just don't okay cool posability but like people love it um still it's a that's a price tag 270 dollars uh but yeah. again the regular game will be like 50 something i think and if i could have a you could already foot. get it on steam now but it officially releases august of 2023 gotta wait a, another six months eight months eight months well also well they just had their live just kind of feeding back into that they had a live show again they do these once a year um to talk about where they're at in the development what they've been adding and paladin was the latest thing that's just been dropped so that's the class that's been dropped and i think we have all classes now or there might be only one missing at the moment and that i think is one of the reasons it's taken a long time because they didn't just decide to do Baldur's Gate and we'll we'll pick four classes and you can yeah. choose from them like any game and then you move on. No, no, no. They're running D Dungeons and Dragons. That means if they're going to do it, that's 12 classes and that's a bunch of subclasses and that's a well, and, and then the races that it, are involved and then the yeah. um, all the dialogue and all the And I don't know is is it just the core classes of the player's handbook? Cuz that's still eight subclasses for Wizard you know like some of those they're are doing big. modified versions and i don't think they're doing all of the subclasses but they're picking and choosing but it will be 12 classes then huh like i think so yeah it's a lot, it's a lot. yeah yeah i think so because the one i played recently a few months back was the druid because the druid had gotten dropped and that's pretty cool and now we've been waiting on the paladin the, i can't think if there's what might be left that they haven't done yet i think maybe they've covered them all i'll have to go back to it and, and check it out it's a big game. It's really, 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 really big. <laughs> so I'll, I've been waiting. Um, I think yeah. it'll be fun to play through it without having like, oh, I have to go through the intro yet again kind of a thing. So um, yeah, I've played that about 20 times now. Yeah. It's kind of like the but people still, that played the cool. Diablo 3 <laughs> demo like over and over. Yeah. And I'm like, let's yeah. just wait for the game, guys. But yeah. Um, OSR news. Uh, I really just want to talk about this because I'm going to participate in it. Um, but Sean McCoy of Mothership fame, he wrote Mothership. He kind of started this idea of like, why don't we get a, a year long planner and we'll make, or you'll write a dungeon room a day. And by the end of the year, you'll have each month is a level. You'll have a 12 level deep dungeon with 365 rooms. And I was like, that's so cool. I want to do it. We'll see if I stick with it. But I think I'm going to try and document the process. Maybe I'll start a blog and take photos every day. Or maybe I'll do a quick video blog once a week of, like, my week-long progress. Um, it's going to be really informal. I think it'll be on the Jocular Junction channel. Uh, so subscribe there. Or maybe this channel. I don't know. But I want to do something. Because, uh, yeah, so I bought my my notebook. And I'm... I'm filling out all the prompts and stuff, and I think I'm going to start tomorrow morning to get kind of a, a jump on it. Uh, but it's called Dungeon 23 for Dungeon 2023. A lot of people are participating. It's kind of become this – it's become pretty big. It sounds uh, super fun. A lot of people are doing it, and if you want to participate, I would encourage you. And I think if this is successful, I could really see this being um, a yearly thing where kind of like Nano Remo or something where people are going to – like, oh, yeah, it's the new Mega Dungeon. So it's Dungeon 24. And, like, how cool, even if you don't run it, what a great exercise in creativity is kind of my idea. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. And and then maybe your friends can stumble on the seventh layer of your dungeon and you can use it for, like, one or two things. But Dungeon 23, it looks pretty cool. 
Uh, let's talk about yeah, MCDM. I am all about it. What are they doing? I am all about <laughs> it. Packet number four has just dropped. If any of you are getting for their monster book that they're putting out, Flea Mortals. Um, in it, there's a video you can watch where Matt talks about it a tiny bit over on his channel. And you can download it if you're already a part of that um, Kickstarted program um, for that one. And they have Angolotls, which are tree folk-like uh, or tree frog-like folk. And what they're doing with his, if you guys remember from some of the other packets they put out, they take a creature, but then they create several types of that same creature to give you this idea of a community of them or something you might face, a warband of them or a, a group of them that might have this. So like if they take gnolls, which is in this packet, then there's like four or five different types of gnolls that you would meet if you come across, you know, a gnoll warband of some sort. It might have one of, the, you know, one type of a, a Bissell caster and it might have this other warrior type and it might have this other type. And they all have their different mechanics and, and stuff to it. So the... Angolotls are the tree folk, tree frog folk. The I put in my fog. Knolls. They they started their undead for the first time, which they will have plenty in this book. And it's the spectral undead. So these are the incorporeal ones. Um, so ghosts and wraiths and things like that. They put in um, what they call the time raiders. They have another name, but these are like astral seat. I almost think of these as like the Gith Yankee of. They Matt look Colville's very Gith like, except bit. they yeah. have multiple arms. But yeah. <laughs> It seemed pretty cool. The Gibbering Mouther, uh, they're doing a griffin. So they are picking regular creatures, too, that you might do, but they're putting the Matt Cole, you know, the MCDM spin on it. It's their and monster hacks. book, yeah. It's yeah so there's a bunch in there. And what I liked about what he had talked about is that they're already, like, so many. I think he said it was, like, we're at, like, 250 pages or whatever in a book. And he's like, and we have no overlord telling us, you know, I, you guys need to trim that down. We can only put a book out of 200 pages. He was like, we can do whatever we want. And I was like, God, that's so cool. He's just like, if we want a 400-page book of cool monsters, we're putting out a 400-page book of cool monsters. We don't care, you know? And I was just like, that is so cool. So you can go out and t get the packet. You can test these creatures in your games. They've also created a Mad Max-themed um, adventure that you can play. And if you document playing that, they're keeping a leaderboard of people who are submitting awesome. documented oh, games that's right. to see their times and their whatever, and you can send it in, and then you can see where your, your group is. But you have to at. use the pre-generated characters to make it fair and stuff. But that's I, cool. I think, yeah, yeah there's yeah. some so there's some things to it, but you can run your group through it. It's an adventure that they created and had some fun with some mechanics and some, some Mad Max kind of themed stuff. and. I thought that's a fun way to do things too, is have people submit. Because that's something that we've missed from Dungeons and Dragons from the past. Tournaments. Are yeah. the living campaign games. The games where the, the comic book stores and game stores would host events. People would come in and play for a day. All these DMs and party members doing things. They would gather the information of what happened from those adventures send it into a central location and that would then get posted somewhere about how that's changing the story or how that's affecting the overall world campaign that's going on they used to do some of that stuff back in the day gen con was kind of an area where a lot of that was centered around even though wizards of the coast and dungeons and dragons have kind of taken a step back from gen con um i i kind of wish we had a living camp this is the best time ever because to of do the a internet living campaign Honestly, thing because yeah. of the internet yeah because of twitter and because of all of the content creators putting you know 
hosting what their teams are yeah. doing and their groups are doing. And you could finish a game on Tuesday and Wednesday have like all this yeah. new cool information flooding in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're at the perfect time for a living campaign to work. I just, I wish somebody would jump on that idea and, and maybe Paizo will do it. I think they've done some living campaign stuff in the past. Um, with their Pathfinder Society stuff, maybe with you know, I know uh, of the Coast, maybe uh, they could do theirs. Yeah, I know, I know, game stores would be all about it because I think so they're good. chomping at the bit for something other than magic to do. So, <laughs> yeah, so keep an eye out for that. MCDM is putting out cool stuff. Um, I'm super happy about that. I also saw just kind of random, saw a few random news things because we didn't know there wasn't a lot of like D D news right up until we you know we had that stuff from Ted and. Um, some of the Twitter stuff dropped, but I thought it was kind of cool. I saw a commercial. <laughs> I don't even know how this happened. Magic the Gathering is releasing cereals, three different yeah. flavors of cereals that look like, like those candy cereals that I loved as a kid that would have Count Chocula, but then there was like the other three monsters yeah. had theirs too. Blueberry. So like they eat, yeah. I don't even remember what they were, but I was always like, as a kid, I wanted them because I wanted sugary cereals, but I thought, oh my God, who at Magic the Gathering decided, you know what we need? You know what our world needs? Magic the Gathering world needs three cereals dedicated to characters within. But so on uh, December 19th, in two days, you can order three different boxes of cereal or one box or all three boxes or whatever. I have not decided if I want to try this or not. I yeah. used to be a big cereal guy. I have not been in the last probably five or six years. Um, but maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I don't know. The other cool news thing I saw that I thought was super interesting, um, Henry Cavill has been in the works, and I think this is confirmed now, created a deal with Amazon to bring Warhammer 40K as a show, the franchise, to the screen and do it the right way because apparently he is super passionate about Warhammer 40K. And that is the only other world I can think of that is on par with like a Forgotten Realms and maybe actually bigger and deeper and more written about with true authors and books and supported by games and books and stuff. The only other world I can think of that's as big as anything Wizards of the Coast has put out is definitely from White Dwarf, Warhammer. Fantasy and Warhammer 40K are some big franchises. Um, And to see, you know, uh, Henry Cavill come out and say, well, let's do a movie and do this thing right, that could be... That could be pretty amazing. Well, not a movie, so. a show. I think they want a series. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. an Amazon show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know anything about the Warhammer universe otherwise, other than it's very beloved. But I was excited for this, too, because Henry Cavill, he did great as The Witcher. Um, I think it's kind of sad because they replaced him as The Witcher so he could go back to being Superman. And then James Gunn said, no, we're going to cancel like all of those actors and we're going to we're going to start fresh kind of a thing. So James Gunn is writing a Superman movie now to kind of spearhead the new DC cinematic universe, uh, which is kind of sad because Henry Cavill's cool. Like, and I thought he made a fine set Superman. I just think he was in a couple of of bad movies and spoilers. There was a cameo of him at the end of black Adam. And I was excited to see him back. Um, But uh, apparently the black Adam two movie is canceled. And so is any future Superman, Henry Cavill movies. So uh, this is his next attempt. And I don't think contracts are signed, but I think they're talking about it. So don't, don't put all your eggs into this basket just yet. But uh, I mean, honestly, it'd be so cool. Like that'd be awesome. So, 
Yeah, the the movie I liked him in was the Mission Impossible one. Oh yeah, he played such a great character in that. That's one of my favorite fight Super scenes fun ever. Villain. They go in that bathroom and they just start fighting, and it's Tom Cruise and him fighting the super martial arts dude and getting yeah. whooped all over. I was just like, that is such a cool scene. That's great. <laughs> I love that. So that was the news that I kind of had stumbled on either in Twitter or in YouTube commercials or wherever you know you get your Dungeons and Dragons uh, news at, but. You said you don't play any Dungeons and Dragons, which no. seems weird because you're running a Modron. Yeah, I forgot about campaign. that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we have so many cancellations. Um, yeah, everybody's been played. sick or stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, people are. It's the holidays, so people are going places. But yeah. uh, the the week before, I had to cancel, and I think the week before that, we played. And I don't. I, all I remember is they went to. Uh, Bytopia, kind of by accident. They had like three different areas they could go to, but we ended up going to Bytopia. So now I've been prepping this like Bytopia adventure, um, the next step of the march, and it's like, well, I had to cancel. And then there was a snowstorm, and Ted had to cancel because he had to work. And so, and then next week is Christmas, so we're not playing. So I think the 29th is we're going to get back and actually play Thursday. Yeah, we might be December done until 29th. the first of the year, also. Our group. Um, we got a couple people sick and stuff. Yeah. Too. Uh, and that's been fun. If you guys are following along, uh, really great players. And uh, a, a story that I think is fun, I'm actually pulling from the Great Modron March, uh, Plane Breaker a little bit, and um, Dead Gods, which is another uh, Planescape module from 2nd Edition. Uh, and I'm kind of creating my own story with this because uh, as we were running through the Great Modron March, the... the uh, adv- or, the quests are very simple because they are for like level five players and I have level mm-hmm. f- like 14 players now. And so it's kind of like, uh, they, they could easily do a lot of these and it's not just monster level. It's like straight up, like we need you to travel here. And they're like, okay, blink. We're there. Pick it up. Yeah. You know, the, the star Trek teleporter problem where it's like, okay, we got it. Bye. Uh, so I've been adapting some other stuff to make it a little more interesting. And we have had a couple sessions where we haven't had fights. It's just been, talking and figuring things out you know because i think higher level D is less fights it's more uh i could see that yeah because you know you can't i don't know it's just you more, have more like ways to investigation try to get around something and things like yeah, that you have yeah. more ways to get information you have more ways to decide if you want to mm-hmm. fight or not fight and then you have more ways to say well if we don't want to fight how else could we do this all we need to do is steal it and get out of yeah. here we don't have and a lot of times they're like uh cast you know they're not actually doing this but you're like i cast paralysis on him okay let's yeah. tie him up and interrogate him and i was like well that that combat lasted however long so uh it's yeah. been fun to try to understand high level D too because i don't think i've ever ran anything past like 10th or 11th level so yeah i bet it has to be different there has to be a different mentality it's not just we're going to go in the dungeon and kind of walk through a few exactly. levels yeah. and we're out it's probably got to be a little bit more because those characters there. I mean, what was that one thing where we always talked about like a character levels meant you were dealing with local stuff at one to three or something. But yeah, by the time you got to five, you're maybe at baronial level kind of problems or kingdom level problems, but you start to get to 10 and you're like in continent level problems. And then 15 twenties, you're at world ending scenario. You're only contacted. For Armageddon, you know? yeah. That, so you're not you're concerned not about the petty thug down on the yeah. yeah. You're you're like we got to yeah. stop this meteor from you're crashing not solving into the that. planet. <laughs> um, the Noel problem out of yeah. the farms. That's not for you. 
and then Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, my player didn't like his halfling, which we were like, that's totally understandable. The halfling is the uh, probably the worst designed. Not that it's bad, but it is the worst designed. It's like the one I would not want to play. Um, you should have led with Classics. that. How can we redesign the halfling and... I don't know. That's a that good should question. Be a show. <laughs> uh, Why is the halfling bad? Now I want to know. But so we made him an elf, and he got a bunch of spells, and then he rolled really high casting a spell, and part of it was, well, you can teleport, and so I was like, huh, and so we agreed that it was kind of a fun ending to where they were exploring the island, and the goal was to leave the island, and apparently this teleport spell would allow that. And so uh, they teleported away, and I gave them some options. I was like, we could play um, like this, this, or this with these same characters. But what I really want to play is Perils of the Purple Planet. Like, do you, can we say that this spell went wrong and you guys wound up here, and now this is the adventure we're going to play? And they're like, yes. So uh, when we pick up in – I love that. Oh, tomorrow, Clear actually. Ryan. No, not tomorrow, but January. When we pick up January, we're going to play Perils of the Purple Planet, um, so which good. I'm so stoked to play. And I did wake up in the middle of the night, and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about the barrier around the island that prevents teleportation. Well, it's too late now, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> so there was That's that where I, I was like, I, I could have prevented that, but I, I think I was just excited. So so we're going to run that, which I'm really excited. But what have you been doing in D&D? Our boys were sick, so yeah, we've had a couple. We played the week before, but not this week. Um, we changed our nights to Thursday to you know try to move things around, but we're in that season two where everybody's having trouble getting together. I suspect we won't be back together till January going full bore. I have absolute plans to be running a game in January. I have absolute plans to be doing a bunch of things when January kicks off, just like we did how many years ago kicking this show off as January came around. And we said, hey, let's do this little project called a podcast and kept it going. So definitely got things that I'm right now using the next couple of weeks to get ready for some cool stuff. But I'll still be playing that on Thursday. I want to be running a game on a different night. Um, and I'm, I'm getting super excited about building a game, starting a game, running a game. You know, the most exciting part is the, the right before the game starts. Because <laughs> your, stuff, your yeah. mind is going all over the place where things could go and what you could do and what storylines you could try to tell and what characters might happen or do, you know, and what, what system you're going to use, all that kind of stuff. Um, you get excited about it. So that's where I'm at. I'm at this super high level of excitement of kicking something off in January and getting it going and moving, so... That's awesome. what I'm doing over the next couple of weeks. That and playing lots of games and staying out of the snow because we got snow here too. So, yeah, I wonder when when did we start? Was it 20, 2019 or twenty eighteen? I don't remember. I thought it was twenty twenty. I thought it was the January of twenty twenty. Aren't we two years in now, or are we three years in? We got to be three years. We're at two hundred twenty eight shows. Yeah, well, <laughs> we were. We'd have to go back to the other notes. Uh, no, we started before my son was born. I remember that because he was born and we like showed him on the stream. So yeah, it has to be at least three years, but I want to say it was 20. It's got, it's either 2018 or 2019, but anyway. Well, we just go to the channel, right? I don't we just go all the way down to the bottom and then <laughs> we see the very first episode one. Um, I'm going. I'm almost there. Oh, your mouse is so squeaky. Oil it. Uh, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. 
Episode one from YouTube got 641 views. Says it was four years ago, Jordan. There you go. See, I told you. Wow. Yeah. Four, does it give us the date? How do you find the date? May 17th, 2018? Oh, that's because that I uploaded it later back to the thing. Yeah. So maybe we're five years oh. in. You really think it's two years? I don't know. I was trying to find our old know. notes. Where are our old notes? Wait, look how young we look, too, four years ago. <laughs> we should do a rewatch of episode one in oh one square, but we sit and watch and comment on it. It was so interesting. Look at all the stuff behind you as I look at that. Look at all the stuff behind me. Yeah. Episode one. Yeah, I can only find our notes for 2021. I can't find the 2020 or earlier, so... Anyway, um, yeah, because now I'm don't just think we had a rambling. Google Doc. Lucian's hungry. <laughs> I'm Jordan hungry. needs more Let's coffee. Uh, we will you not be back next kid. week because it is Christmas. Um, so we're going to have that day off. But I think we will be back on, uh, what, the 31st? Yeah, I'm not doing anything. So I should be able to do the 31st. Just can't do the 24th. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that'll be our year end review show. Maybe we'll reflect back on the 2022 of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and our show and just what we've accomplished and what we're doing and things like that. Um, anything else before we take off? That is it. Oh, everybody well, happy have a break. wonderful holiday. Yeah, have a happy uh, or have a happy holiday, everybody, and we'll see mm-hmm. you next time on another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Thank you.